Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where if you're feeling a little stressed and panicked about losing the Caruso goat, we'll find your zen and get mellow with a nun and a monk, because Palinkas Christ has turned water into wine in day two of free agency. <laughs> so for, for those panicking after day one, Palinka has responded in full. So, Tommy, day two, after signing Dwight, Bazemore, Ariza, and Ellington on the minimum in day one, Palinka woke up on day two and decided to sign LeBron's banana boat pal Carmelo Anthony, but also decided to shore up some youth by signing Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, and securing THT on a three-year deal. Um, Give me your visceral reaction to the slew of signings, because like day one, it happened in a flurry, right? It seems like... Day one, the once one signing became official, like two or three after that came swiftly, except day two was like that on steroids because it filled a lot of needs for us. So, I mean, before we get into the specifics of what the players mean and, and how they fit on the team, just give me your reaction. Were you shocked, happy, et cetera? Uh, my initial reaction was robbed, clearly does not understand the CBA. Um, <laughs> He has no idea what he's doing, uh, doesn't know how to manage assets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like we had Same such, old, same old Rob. Exactly. We had such glaring needs, and it is just wild how aggressively he addressed them, right? I mean, like, do we, everybody we've signed, I think, has had at least one 38, 40% shooting, you know, three point shooting sign or season, except for maybe Dwight. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it feels good, not just because, you know, we obviously we did a lot of speculation about who the Lakers might go after. Uh, and I think the biggest concern that I raised multiple times was, you know, if, you know, especially when we were discussing the Russ trade, like, okay, if you want to go all in, got the team for a third star, that's fine. But 
you can't just sit there and Rob proved me wrong, of course, but as I, you know, my, my fear was you can't just sit there and say, okay, we're going to fill it in with veteran minimum guys who are going to be ring chasing. Because my point to that was those are going to be old guys. Right. And, and you have to play an 82 game season. LeBron is one of your three main stars is aging. Second, one of your three main stars is constantly hurt. And the third is like a, huge risk to get become hurt at any moment because of how hard he plays. So, you know, you don't necessarily think that that's a sort of team you want to surround with a bunch of 36 year olds, but you know, so day one kind of started like that. You know, you had the Ariza, you had the Dwight, you had those types of signings even today, right. Or day two, it was like, you had Mello was the first one announced. And it just kind of felt like, geez, like it, it is a requirement to have like a geriatric squad. Like you're going to yeah. need, like, if you're not over the age of 35, you can't join this team. Um, but when he came back with the, uh, or when he came Monk. with the Malik Monk sign, that came like out of haymaker. nowhere. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, he must have used the uh, mini MLE on that. Like after Patty Mills, cause it was shortly after Patty Mills uh, chose the nets. And then, no, on top of that, it was like Kendrick Nunn was actually who we used the uh, mini ML. It's just like so crazy. And then we signed THT. So it's like, boom, there's your like three 20 year olds. Um, so so le- le- I think you were kind of on the, this along the same lines of shock because, I mean, we were texting back and forth when these two deals happened. But like you said, when the Monk deal happened, I was ecstatic and over the moon. I don't think I've been this excited about a role player since, ironically, KCP, when we were like, you know KCP, <laughs> yeah, right, you know right, me. Right. And, you know, there's something different about signing somebody who's young and technically has some untapped potential and upside, right? Like these veteran guys, you know what they've brought in their careers. And the question is, can they bring it again? But it's like when you mine for upside like that and get up and get again, get much needed youth and fresh legs. I think that's why I was so excited about the Malik Monk signing. Also, too, because I thought that, like you mentioned, you thought it was for the mini MLE. I didn't think we could get this guy because for sure, at least some team out there would take a flyer on a dude who averaged 12 points last year in just 20 minutes and shot 40% from three, who was a former lotto pick, right? Surely. But somehow, Rob finessed this. Rob convinced this guy, you have your best shot on a contending team. You can change your name right now. Not only carve out a role for yourself, but do it in a winning way so people take you seriously. And Malik Monk said, he he tweeted something out like the day before where he was like, count on yourself, right? So when I saw that signing, I was like, bam, that's amazing. We're done. And then shortly after, the Heat rescinded Nunn's qualifying offer. And on Twitter, I joked that we need to create the monastery and sign Nunn too, along with Pope. Uh, not Pope, sorry. Pope went out. Contavious Caldwell Pope <laughs> went out. But pair Nunn with the monk. And then when it actually happened, it was kind of like this massive sugar rush. It's almost like pouring a gallon of condensed milk into your already very sweet brown sugar boba milk tea. It was like <laughs> overwhelming and over the top. And obviously, I don't think... Palinka knew ahead of time that these things were going to happen, but I think he had multiple different avenues with which to fill out this roster that wasn't just aging geriatric guys, right? And, and the other thing, too, is like the whole league went into a tizzy with these two signings. You know it's a good deal when people from the Knicks were like, oh, shoot, we I, I wanted to sign Monk. Like, what the heck? We The Knicks offered more money to none, I believe. And he turned down more money to sign the sign with the Lakers, not even for the full mini MLE, but partial. 
five million dollars of the five point nine, right? And so you have all these other teams after the Nun deal happened. We're like, wait, how did the Lakers get both Monk and Nun? Like you have all these different teams who are trying to become competitive and contending teams say. We wanted to take a flyer on on Monk. I was even perusing some Charlotte Hornets like Twitter timelines and stuff, and, and credible people were like wanting him back. And so, I mean, just huge applause to Rob Palinka for kind of rebuilding a young core on the fly and just making sure that we have fresh legs. And with the Nun and Monk pairing, you almost have two shots at the two shots at bat, right? Just in case one of them doesn't pan out or whatever. It's like, yeah, we gave ourselves insurance. Now there may be some chemistry issues down the line with guys wanting a specific type of role and not being satisfied with how many minutes they're getting. But to get in these hungry young guys who last year were legitimately good for what they did on their teams is crazy. So continue. Yeah, no, it's, it's completely insane. I, (laughs) It's just like wild because, you know, we had Wayne Ellington and I was like, okay, I guess Wayne Ellington's our starting shooting guard now, which, you know, is fine. And certainly on a team with AD LeBron, uh, you know, AD LeBron and Russ, it's like not everyone is going to be an all-star start, right? You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, right. Wayne Ellington is a role player. We might have to figure out how to hide him on defense, but like he can, he can stroke threes and he will get plenty of wide open looks with these guys. And but, you know, you still – there's still that thought kind of lurking in the back of your mind of, like, Russ is going to play hard. But, again, LeBron is aging. AD has not no, – you know, is not necessarily known for his regular season intensity. Like, who else can we kind of throw into the mix to spice things up a little bit? You know what I mean? And when you get a 22-year-old – I mean, literally, we all – when we had the 22 pick, right, everybody – or a big – guy on the Lakers target, uh, one of their targets was, uh, uh, out of, uh, Oregon. Right. So Malik Monk is like younger than that dude, you know what I mean? It's like, but he's been in the league for four years and he was a huge, I mean, he was a big recruit. He obviously, you know, had his time at Kentucky one season, he was one and done. He was a lottery pick. Um, it never really panned out for him because of injuries and frankly being in Charlotte and, Last season, he finally started to sort of show what he could bring and started to break out and show that he is like, you know, was like a role player. I mean, I, look, I don't want to be overstating uh, how, it, how I guess, important it was to get a guy like that for a team like this in an 82-game season. But it feels like, I mean, if Duarte was picked number 12, it's like, it feels like we kind of got a lottery pick. You know what I mean? Like, given this guy's age. Well, yeah. But like you said, someone with experience and has at least played in the NBA. So it's not, like, as big a learning curve as someone like Duarte, regardless of how old he is. Exactly, exactly. And so it's like, you know, adding somebody like that into the mix, it keeps things interesting because, look, Wayne Ellington was still a fantastic signing, but it's nice to have competition. You know what I mean? I think one of those two guys is going to be the guy at the two for us starting um, Mm -hmm. because they are probably our two best shooters. Um, And so it's nice to have the competition. It's nice to have the options. And it's nice because Wayne Ellington is like a long, uh, long term veteran has been on many teams, you know, has uh, played a variety of different roles on teams if we end up benching this dude because Malik Monk is continuing to have a breakout season, like all sides, I think are going to be fine with it. So 
the Malik Monk thing was just, you know, I, I totally was not even on my radar. And then when none happened, it was funny because after we signed Monk, I was like, uh, Lakers should just go crazy and sign none. <laughs> yeah. I never really felt like that was possible. Like you said, there are teams. I mean, frankly, there are still teams that have like some cap space. I think the Hornets may have, maybe the Hornets use some of theirs, but I mean, teams still had some cap space and Kendrick Nunn is like a young guy who put up good numbers the last two seasons on like a, a, a competitive team. You know what I mean? So, Bro, he scored 18 points against us in the finals. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he did that like throughout the last two regular seasons. And maybe he didn't play in the playoffs because, you know, they were deferring more to Goran Dragic. But he was a very, very solid player for them. I'm kind of surprised like they just let him leave for nothing in a way. But, you know, to the point, you know, we, we talked about this, or I guess we didn't talk about this maybe offline, but to the point with Caruso, right. It's like, sometimes this just happens. I'm not saying, no, it's funny how like nobody is pointing to, uh, uh, Pat Riley and being like, look at this terrible asset management. You right. Know, sometimes or, or guys, Kupchak, right. You know, yeah, exactly. Or Mitch Kupchak. Sometimes guys leave, you know, it's part of the business. So, and you don't get something out of every single guy who walks away. So anyway, we were luckily in the right place, right time. The Patty thing didn't work out, didn't work out for us. And although I would have really, really loved Patty, it's like Kendrick Nunn is a very dynamic player who, you know, can score and he is young and can bring some energy. He's athletic. He, it's like, we went from having all these combo guards who couldn't actually do anything on offense to like, now we have so many versatile combo guards. Like, I don't right. even know what we're going to do. It's like, it's like kind of crazy. <laughs> so before you keep on going with that, I want to take it to break and talk about the sort of team identity and construct that we've cobbled up here. Now that we have a fuller picture of this roster, because realistically we probably only have one roster slot to fill one or two roster slots. If we do fill that pending what we do with Dennis Schroeder and whether we continue to wait out a potential sign-in, trade. But look, I mean, to close off this first half, it's just, look, the Mello signing, we'll get to that eventually. That was huge from a narrative perspective. And obviously, Mello at this point over the last two years has proven that he's willing to take on a tertiary role as a role player, even if that's off the bench and do so effectively by still shooting 40% from three, which is great, right? And obviously, there's that whole thing of him being, you know, buddies with LeBron James ever since they were in AAU basketball, right? But in terms of like what we needed after that mellow signing happened and being so youth deprived and being sad about losing KCP, Kuzma, and Caruso, to rebound in this way and get some no-risk, high upside, young flyers like Monk and Nunn to replenish our young core and get some fresh legs in there so that we can hold up for 82 games is just absolutely huge. And these two are not only shooters, but they're athletic, most especially Monk. You know, when he was a lottery pick, I'm pretty sure we talked about Malik Monk in one of our podcasts, you know, assessing guys that the Lakers should maybe take a look at. I mean, this guy was known for high-flying theatrics, as well as being a good shooter. Now, his first three years didn't necessarily pan out, but he's gotten progressively better with regards to his three-point percentage to the point where it topped off last year at 40% hitting two threes a game. So we can get into the specifics, but overall just Rob Palinka, man. It's crazy. This is why, this is why after, you know, I did a podcast with my friend Andy yesterday just recapping day one, and he said, for the minimum, this is great, but Rob and LeBron knew what they were getting themselves into when they made this Westbrook trade. There's no way he doesn't have a master plan here. There's, that, there's no way this right, is it. Right. And obviously, like I mentioned, he didn't predict that 
the Heat would rescind their qualifying offer to none. He didn't predict that Malik Monk would be out there and that he would eschew and shun other teams who would maybe give him a bigger opportunity and maybe more money, and that Malik Monk would say, bet on yourself, and I want to be in a winning situation and prove myself in that context. But hey, we opened ourselves up to that opportunity. Rob Palinka knew all the different angles, and man, he finessed things to perfection. So with that said, we'll take it to break, and when we return, we'll just close this out by talking more about these guys. Attention listeners across the galaxy. All the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So do you guys remember that one time I told you about that one white stray hair I had down there that almost made me pull a hip muscle after I pulled it? No? Well, there you go. And also, that's the last time you'll ever hear about any such hairy situation for me again. Because ever since I started using Manscaped, the white stray hair snipping process for me has been much smoother than ever. So are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Abort hairy balls and Buzz Lightyear that woody with Manscaped. Man, did I write this? I don't know. Anyways, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, so we are back, and during the break, uh, we've learned that we've just waved Alfonso McKinney. We took a little break to wave Alfonso McKinney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we waved him during the break, by the way. So uh, no need to worry about that guy. We now have at least, yeah, two or three roster spots, depending on whether or not we promise one to Dudley, which is almost a certainty. So we're at least going to have one or two more moves, and I think you can pretty much pencil in Iguodala, maybe Wes Matthews into one of those. So... Let's go back to what you were talking about in terms of the guys that we've brought in, including Malik Monk and Nunn, because you were mentioning how these guys can do other stuff besides shoot. And it's also important to mention that Kent Bazemore last year shot 40% from three as well, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, if you take it back to Majinka year one, the plan was let's just get all these ball handlers who can take the load off LeBron in terms of creating. But those guys couldn't shoot. Okay, so we course corrected. Year two, let's get all these one-dimensional shooters who can shoot, <laughs> right, right. but not Role do anything players. else. So you got yeah. Danny Green, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels. Even last year, Wes Matthews, right, kind of fit that mold. Right. This year, the plan seems to be get versatile shooters who can attack a closeout, make a pass, take it to the rack. Guys who can make defenses pay in other areas besides just catching and shooting. 
whether that be the mid-range or in the paint. And some of these guys can even hit a step back three. They can they can attack a closeout and then go back to the three and pop that. You know what I mean? Right. Is it going to be erratic in some senses? And is there going to be a Lakers curse? For sure. But these guys are multi-dimensional shooters. And I think if there was ever any sort of identity that we're trying to call up, I think it's that. No, I mean, I think you, you covered it really well. I think, you know, it is interesting because, I you know, obviously, and I'm not going to call him like, you know, lay GM or whatever, but LeBron is consulted as I think all superstar players of that caliber should be and figuring out like that person is going to be like the heart and soul of your team. So it, it is only, you know, wise. I'm not saying do everything they say, but it's wise to consult them on things like, what free agents to sign, for example, you know, because they, uh, they know who they're going to play with and they know like what kind of, if they're smart, like LeBron, especially they're going to figure, they're going to know like what kind of guys play well off them. I'm not saying LeBron said, go sign Lance Stevenson or whatever. Right. But I'm saying like, there was probably a conversation among Rob and LeBron and at that time magic, right. That, that was, you know, something to the effect of, seems like you do really well when you have guys who can take some of the pressure off you. You don't have to bring the ball up for 35 plus minutes a game. Uh, have somebody to lighten the load. The offense can kind of run without you being involved in every single play. LeBron is a very underrated, even to this day, like off ball player. Like, of course you want the ball in his hands cause he's LeBron, but like he has shown throughout his career, even in the prime of his career, that he can play pretty well off the ball. He had his best moments with us, you know, in obviously the championship run playing, you know, significant minutes in the playoffs off the ball with uh, Rajon Rondo. Right. So LeBron works well in those situations. And I think, yeah, we, we decided we need to get back to that. It didn't work out this past year with Schroeder as much as we all kind of had hoped it would. And we, 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 it's like you said, we did a combination of what we did the last two years. We took, the dynamic of we want guys who can handle the ball, but we also, those guys need to be able to shoot and do other things too. You know what I mean? And so it's yeah. like, we're taking a step back from, uh, you know, if you, if, if you want to say, I want to say we, we've gotten way more well-rounded players, certainly offensively. I think we have, I think defensively there will be questions, yeah. but I think, you know, if anything, the front office has been shown by Frank Vogel that he'll figure it out. I mean, our team, stayed top of the league, you know, near top of the league in defense all without through, Anthony you know, Davis and LeBron without, James. <laughs> you know, arguably the defensive player of the year, you know, two years ago and Anthony Davis, you know, without LeBron for huge chunks of time, without both of them for like 30 games. I mean, it's just like, you know, losing Dennis, losing Mark, who was a very highly rated individual defensive player during the season, like losing all those types of guys for significant stretches, having to play, Horton Tucker, who was effectively a rookie, significant minutes, having to play a lot of guys, weird minutes and weird positions and still ended up first in the league. You know what I mean? So I feel like he will figure that out and throwing out a bunch of guys who can kind of figure it out themselves on offense and have dynamic skill sets is really what would, we needed more of. And and we got it, right? It's like the clunkiness of pass it, pass it, pass it around while, you know, it gets to a bunch of guys who can only really catch and shoot. Nobody has no idea what they're going to do. And yep. then you have like Caruso taking like a running hook shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's the best shot we could get. Like those days, it feels like they're over a little bit. Right. And But now you have guys who aren't afraid of the moment. You know, that can go wrongly the other way, obviously. I expect us to have tons and tons of turnovers. 
just by virtue of right, the fact right, of right, bringing right. in Russell Westbrook, but Nunn is kind of like a lesser version of that. In fact, Kendrick Nunn to me is kind of like a fresh, young version of Dion Waiters, uh, I, although I think he can shoot better than Dion, but in a lot of ways he represents that sort of player archetype. Like he's great at handling the ball and pick and roll. He can playmake a little bit. He shot 38% from three last year, hitting 2.2 a game. Again, this guy came out of nowhere as the as one of the rookie contenders, rookie of the year contenders, just the last year in 2019-20 season. And he's pretty athletic too, so I'm excited to see what he can do in terms of just facilitating an offense. And then Malik Monk, I mean, he really had a breakout season last year. Like I mentioned, 12 points in just 20 minutes is insane. But to shoot 40% from three and hit two a game, I I mentioned to you he had a 36-point game in a win against the Heat where he hit 9 of 13 from three. But if you watch that tape, he's also doing a bunch of other stuff and hitting threes in different ways, not just in catch and shoot. And then obviously the most exciting part is being able to run up and down the court, catch lobs. This guy is almost like a souped-up version of Shannon Brown plus Sasha Vujicic, if you could combine both players, you know what I mean? So it's just exciting to have this dynamic. And I can only imagine... Westbrook running with Nunn and THT and uh, and Monk. I don't know if all those guys will play together, but we just got significantly more athletic. Oh, yeah, and that was a huge problem last year. Yeah, I feel like we, we sacrificed, and time will tell, right? I, right now it seems like we sacrificed, sacrificed a little bit of defense just because I trust Frank Vogel, but for so much more versatility offensively and just pace-wise. And just just the overall dynamic of what you could do to another team, like the opposing team is going to feel so worn down, I feel like. And I feel like we lost that aspect of our team last year, right. but we've regained it in aces. So And and like, look, it's funny. It's like when you when you watch Twitter and, and see like people's commentary, and of course, we're both Laker fans, so we get a lot of Laker fan commentary on our feeds, but... No team is going to be perfect, right? If if you have the team that's the number one defensive efficiency and number one offensive efficiency over the course of a season, that means you have Steph, Clay, Durant, Draymond, etc. You know, Bogut in this prime. Like you, you have like Iguodala, like that. You have that kind of roster, and then it's like, okay, it's kind of silly, right? But if you were it's not who can build the most perfect team. It's who can build the best team. Maybe we won't be number one in defensive efficiency this year, but we also won't be number 25 or whatever we were in offensive efficiency, right? right. It's about it, those sides will balance out. The game will become a lot more defensively in te- uh, intense in the playoffs. And so you hope by the time that rolls around, we figure out a defensive lineup that makes sense for us. And I think we will. I think we're set in the front court. You know, sounds like since we wave McKinney, we'll probably pursue another wing, which I think could be helpful. And maybe we pursue another guard and then third duds at the end of the bench. And I think we're all good, you know, so it's it's yeah. uh, it's about balancing. And, and I think we saw last year more than ever. It's defense is very important, of course. I'll never say that it's not. But offense is like having LeBron and AD and these guys like try to carry a team offensively for 82 games is a huge, huge burden. Um, and so if we can lighten the load on them a little bit in that respect, it'll overall benefit us. And because we have such a, you know, amazing head coach defensively, we will not be the, like the bottom 10 teams in the NBA defensively, right? It remains to be seen, but we have several guys who are plus defenders. Of course we lost some, but 
you know, the the main elite guy that we lost defensively was Caruso. Yep. You know, KCP and Kuz, I feel like with the with the players we've signed, we've we've kind of replaced what they, you know, do impact-wise. Of course, they're younger, okay, so they, you know, can chase and do all that stuff over a 48-minute game, maybe a little bit better, but, you know, that's not really what we're necessarily building for as regular season wins, right? We're build, building for playoff wins, and so the guys that we have will be able to somewhat, you know, replace the impact that guys like KCP and Kuz, et cetera, left. And, of course, you know, Dwight is going to shore up our front court and... um even some of the younger guards that we got, like Malik Monk is, I think, pretty awful defensively, but he's still mm-hmm. young and could learn. Yeah. But I, I, I think Kendrick Nunn is not bad. Baysmore is solid, you know, so... Um, well, Baysmore's on-ball, I think, on-man defense is actually pretty high from what I saw. And then even Trevor Ariza's defensive metrics from last year, granted, I know it was a small sample size because he only started playing once he got traded to the Miami Heat. Like, Trevor Ariza is still up there. And obviously... None of those guys' wingspans have shrunk over the last few years. Right, Kent right. Bazemore still has a seven-foot wingspan, and Trevor Reza still has a seven-foot-three wingspan. So, look, overall, this is going to be a wild-ass experiment. It's a, a wacky team. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think the biggest thing we'll need is to conjure up some of that chemistry magic from our year one championship because we we need a feel good environment because at, at a certain point i think vogel is going to have to deal with competing minutes guys who want a bigger role etc cetera, etc cetera. guys with different narratives about their career that they want to fulfill so luckily we have the right veterans right dwight is back to sort of help bring that chemistry and magic i'm assuming Jared Dudley will be back trevor ariza has been around the block mello has a different perspective on life so I'm hoping we can make this wacky gumbo experiment work. But for right now on the paper, it just looks ridiculous. Um, But I'm a lot more excited about where we stand, obviously, than I was day one. Even though I liked all the veteran minimum signings, I was just like, maybe this is just going to be boring. You know, maybe we just fill this out with Danny Green and Wes Matthews. No, but we kind of ticked off all the boxes. So your last words, Tommy. We ticked off all the boxes. I'm really, really interested to see how this looks when it comes together. It's so funny. Like, I and, and I guess the one thing I will leave with is in many, many ways, I feel like this season is going to recapture that same spirit and chemistry that the 29-2020 championship team had in the sense of, you know, we gutted our team. We had nobody like, you know, just like in 2019, we had like nobody because we made a big superstar trade. And so every single guy that signed on to this team signed on knowing what role they were getting themselves into. We don't have the situation Mm -hmm. where, you know, some guys are confused about the role or bringing guys back, but like replacing them sort of in the rotation with other guys or, you know, we have guys we traded for who didn't necessarily want to be here. You know what I mean? Like all of that, Dynamic is sort of gone. Everybody is here to win. The vets on our team, most of them have not won before. So they're going to be, um, uh, they're going to be, you know, motivated. The young guys are seem like they're motivated, not just for another payday, but also to win. And, and so I think there's going to be a really good spirit. And I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a very, very exciting season. It's wacky, it's crazy, but you sort of feel rejuvenated and renewed somehow. Right. And the last thing I'll say, too, is on most championship com- contending teams, you know, we make all these jokes about how geriatric uh, this Lakers group is. But actually, if you look at the teams that win, it's very rare that you'll find 
more than five guys who are under 30, five or six guys, right? They're usually late 20s or right in that 30 to 33-year-old range, right? And luckily, one of our big two, Anthony Davis, is still 28. So glad that we rounded the roster up with some young, hungry guys who have something to prove and want to do it in a competitive sense and buy in because they're looking for their next contract after this as well. All right, with that said, we'll end it there. We have to end it short, but we'll obviously recap everything in a more comprehensive way in a future episode. But we will catch you guys next time. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod, and please also rate interview us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Tommy, I will see you later. Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, baby. The Nunn, Monk, and Mellow Meditations. I don't know. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.